2: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you.
3: And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new 94.9 FM. And AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. We're always very pleased when you join us. Once again, Alan Dempsey, the one and only behind the glass, does a marvelous job of conducting this show for us. Uh, And Andrew Herdliska produces it. Uh, Mike Bechtel is with us in the first half hour from Fullerton, California. We're going to talk about his new book, I Wish He Had Come With Instructions. The Woman's Guide to a Man's Brain. Ravel is the publisher. Mike, great to talk to you. Thanks for joining me again. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for the opportunity. Tell me about this book. That's quite a title, isn't it?
4: Well, it's something that uh, I have heard for years from people saying I wish I knew what he was thinking. Of course, guys do the same thing. I wish I knew what she was thinking. I didn't write that one though because I've never been inside a woman's brain, but I've been inside a man's brain for a long time and and I noticed that a lot of the books that are out there on how to understand men were written by women. And I realized that uh, I am in, not in a position to be giving advice to women about what they should do, but I can certainly take them on a tour. And that's kind of what I how I approached the book was a tour guide just to wander around and I'll show you the sights and I'll show you what to look for and what to avoid and where the scenic lookouts are and the toxic waste and, and just just to walk alongside to help understand. It's more of an understanding book than an advice book.
3: Fifteen interesting chapters. Let's get started, Mike. You you open up by saying men are from Earth, women are from Earth. Uh, Explain that one, please.
4: (laughs) Well, we always talk about how different men and women are, and it's true because we are wired differently. Biologically, there are some differences, but there are a huge number of similarities, and I think when we are when we first meet someone, um, we're attracted to them because of the similarities. We're drawn together. Uh, but after a while, we start noticing the differences. And in the middle of those differences, pretty soon that's all we can see. And it seems like they are so different. But we forget that there's so many more similarities just because we're people. When my, my son got married a couple of years ago, and I asked him sometime after the wedding, I said, what's been your biggest surprise? And he said... When I was in high school and college, I dated girls that were just like me. And he said, I thought that's what it was going to take. But he said, my wife is so different than I am. And he said, that's what makes this work is we bring some synergy to the whole thing just because she's so different. And I'm just I'm just surprised every day. But the richness comes out of those differences. Um, But the similarities is what draws us together.
3: Second topic, Mike. What He Wants You to Know, what's that about?
4: You know, that was one of my favorite chapters, because I just talked to probably a couple hundred different men just to find out if you could tell women one thing, what would you tell them? And I got a huge list, but it Hmm. was so interesting that some of the things they talked about had to do with um, the stereotypes, the things that, that... women may not understand they think a man man feels one way but it really is different things like um, we want the relationship to work as long as we're both contributing it's not one person dictating the terms of that relationship a big one was we can't compete with romance in the movies because you've got the leading men that are handsome and they say all the right things and that can be kind of a crisis for a man because Men watch those movies and they go, there is no way I can do what they're doing. But it's because it's scripted. And men tend to, men want women to know that whenever they do something for their wife, that's their way of of expressing their love for them. And it doesn't, uh, that doesn't mean they can't say, I love you, but it's much more natural for them to do things. And I think for a woman, just to understand the reality of that, that if a man hands you the remote that's big, and your response should probably be thanks. I love you too, mm. and so those are some of the things that uh, that just that we really wish the women would uh, would know that we could tell them.
3: Third topic: gray matters or gray matters. I mean, you can pronounce that however you want, but uh, what is it?
4: You know, we we've all heard about the brain uh, when being of gray matter. and we talk about someone being really smart, it's like, boy, they have a lot of gray matter. what's been said for years, and it's true. We tend to operate from whichever part of our brain is the biggest. And it's a little different for men and women. We both have two different things. One is called gray matter and one is called white matter. The gray matter is what helps us think and focus and pay attention to things and solve problems. Uh, The white matter is the connective tissue that connects parts of the brain to the other parts of the brain. Well, men, on average, have about six times more gray matter than women do, which makes us feel pretty proud when we hear that because it is what makes us focus on one thing at a time. Women have ten times more of that white matter, the connective tissue, which is why they connect everything to everything. And so when we're having a conversation, men tend to focus on one thing, and women tend to go a lot of different directions. And it's not that it's right or wrong, but it's really hard for each, uh, the men and the women, to understand what's happening on the other side because it's just not the way we think. But that's foundational to everything. If, uh, yeah, if I can go out to lunch with a friend, and my wife can go out to lunch with a friend. She comes home, and I say, so how did it go? And she tells me sentence by sentence how that conversation went, because everything's connected to everything. And I've told her sometimes I think it takes her longer to explain the the, uh, lunch than she actually spent at lunch. But then she'll ask me, well, how did your lunch go? And I say, it went great. And she said, well, what did you talk about? And I'm going, "Uh, uh, stuff. And I really can't remember, because I was totally focused when I was in that conversation. But afterwards, my gray matter, my brain moved on to the next one. It's something one at a time. So I'm done with that one. And it's really hard to go back and remember
3: the details. Now, Mike Bechtel, by the way, is our guest. I wish he had come with instructions. Talk to us about men are just tall boys, Mike. (laughs) I heard someone a while back
4: say that you can look at a a six-year-old, whether it's a boy or a girl. You can look at a six-year-old, look at their temperament, how they act, how they think. And you'll get a pretty good idea of what they're going to be like when they're 60. Mm. Those first six years, that wiring, it's just who they are. And they certainly can grow and change and, and work on things. But their basic way of handling life is probably that hard wiring is going to be there for the rest of their lives. And you look at kids in a playground and you look at boys and they're all constantly yelling, Mommy, watch. Daddy, watch. Um, play with me. Push me. Uh, can we? Can I be with you? Can I go with you? And they just want attention, and they want to be loved, and they want to be known and recognized. And you know what? Men really aren't that different. We want to be loved. We want to be known by our wives. We want to be recognized and valued. And it, so it hasn't really changed that much. So I think it's really good to remember that um, we're still uh, little boys that have just grown up and gotten taller. So that basic temperament and wiring is still there.
3: So these four-year-old twin boys that I've got, uh, what you see at four might well be there at 40?
4: <laughs> yeah, I would say you're in the ballpark.
3: <laughs> All right, Mike. Very interesting. Now, man on a mission. That's the next topic I want you to get into. Man on a mission.
4: Men are, uh, by nature, and, and we should put the caveat in here that everyone's different, that as we're listening to this, you may say, well, yeah, but my guy's not like that. But men, they are on a mission. They, they're, they have that competitive streak. I tend to think of myself as not that competitive, but I know when I'm driving, I want to be in front of somebody else. It's still in there. But men want to be a hero, and especially they want to be a hero to, their, to the woman in their life. He, um, when you think about Captain Sully bringing the plane down in the Hudson River several years ago, Um, everyone on board was saved. And he was a hero. And I think most men realize when they're watching that, I'll never have that opportunity. But in the back of our minds, we're thinking, I wish I could have been him. I want to save the day. And so men tend to realize they're not going to have that opportunity. But neither did Captain Sully. He didn't get up in the morning and say, well, I think I'll hit a flock of birds today and save a bunch of lives. It was just what happened.
3: Mike Beckel is our guest. We've got more with Mike right after this. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We do this show every weekend and always very pleased when you join us. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN right here in Orlando, Florida. More after this.
2: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94.9
5: If you want the lowest prices on your airline tickets or other travel services, call now. That's right, call. That's the only way to get these rates. Experts are standing by 24-7 to get you the cheapest airfare and hotel rates available. So don't wait. Call right now for the lowest travel prices anywhere and for great last-minute travel deals, too. Call right now. 800-648-9175. 800-648-9175. 800-648-9175. That's 800-648-9175.
0: Do you need a new roof but don't know who to call? Here's Eric Holm,
3: the owner of Golden Corral, and his experience with Total Roof Services. Total Roof Services takes care of all my Golden Corral restaurants and my homes. They are the most
0: professional roofers I've ever used. Hi, I'm Eric Jackson, owner of Total Roof Services. We've made it our mission to serve our community. You're going to love your roof. I guarantee it. Visit us at TotalRoofServices.com. State license CCC 1330329.
2: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now,
3: here's Pat. Author Mike Bechtel is with us from Fullerton, California. By the way, Mike, uh, I guess you've seen the ads. Uh, Sully is coming out, a movie. Tom Hanks plays uh, Sullenberger, and it's going to be uh, a good one. I mean, I'm mean, i looking forward to seeing that movie. I'm glad, I saw that. Glad, you, I think glad you mentioned Tom, it. T-
4: Tom Hanks is is for a lot of guys is a hero because he plays so many of those kinds of
3: roles. Now let's move on. Uh, Why he can't see dirt. (laughs) You write a whole chapter on that, Mike. Why? Well,
4: it's, it's a different way of looking at things. It goes back to that gray matter and the white matter that we just look at things differently. And that question has come up so much and I couldn't find a good answer for it. So I started researching and it went right back to how a man's brain works is that when we, see dirt, we're thinking of one thing. We are thinking of a clump of mud or a clump of something that's in the middle of it. So my wife will say, the kitchen is filthy. I have to clean it. And uh, I will walk in. It looks immaculate to me because I don't see dirt anywhere. I don't see big smudges or whatever. That That's what dirt looks like. So I can see it, but she has a different definition. Most women are, are connecting all the different things that have happened. She realizes it hasn't been clean for a while. She knows that she cut up chicken on the counter last week. And so if it's been a while, she's thinking sanitation and she's thinking dust. It's almost like vacuuming. That, uh, that's one of, one of the chores I, that I do at our house. I do the vacuuming. And I do it a couple times a week because my wife really likes to have the house vacuumed. I don't do it because I see dirt because when I'm done, I don't see any difference except there's lines in the carpet. I've often thought I could take a stick and draw lines and just see if she thinks it's clean, but she knows better.
3: Your knight in rusting armor, what's that about? Well, I think
4: we all start with with good intentions in our relationships that we think, here's the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with, and this is someone that is going to meet all my needs. And I've been looking all this time, and all we see is the perfection. We don't see the flaws. But I've, I've often thought about it the way that you look at something like the stinger of a bee through a microscope. And the closer you look, you see some of the imperfections. You see you see the detail that's in there. Whereas in the same thing in our relationships, the longer you're with somebody, you start seeing those little things that you thought he was going to – you were attracted because he was a strong, silent type. And now he won't talk about anything or uh, you think he's going to be someone who just wants to be with you all the time. But he plops himself down on the couch with a bag of Cheetos and watches people run around a field. It's not what you signed up for. And so to recognize that uh, what we see at the beginning probably is real, but there's much more to it. It's not that it's bad. It's discovering those differences.
3: How about unconditional like? That's your next topic, Mike.
4: Yeah, it's one of those things that most men, um, they they want to be loved. And, and I know all people do. But there's something specific to men that it's not just about being loved, because we probably know that our wives love us, but we want them to like us, too. And uh, several months ago, my wife and I have been married about 39 years, but several months ago, my wife told me, she said, you know, I think I like you today. <laughs> and And it was so refreshing. And I thought, okay, what that means is that we didn't sign up for this relationship thing to be bored. We signed up for it because we want the dynamics and the energy that happens in those relationships. And so when she said that, it's like it just meets a need that we have that they respect us, they know us, the same thing with a six-year-old and they think that we are special to them. And that's a way of letting us know it. That we, want to, we want to be loved, but we want to be really liked, that they enjoy being with us.
3: And then you ask a question, do guys even have feelings? <laughs> I think you probably know that
4: more than most people, because you look at someone that just won the Super Bowl, or you look at a team that just won the World Series, they have a lot of feelings. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at how they express it at the end of that they're jumping, they're, they're hitting each other. It's like it's, there's just passionate energy there. They have very deep feelings, but it's the sometimes it's the romantic feelings or it's the softer feelings that they were either taught growing up not to express or they didn't have a good model of how to do it. And so they do have strong feelings. They just don't know how to talk about it. They tend not to talk to each other about their feelings that much. And I think for a woman to understand that, to be able to say, um, instead of asking, so what are you feeling? Because for a guy, he may really not know. He doesn't know how to express that. A better way to approach it is to say, so what are you thinking about this? And a lot of times, if you ask a guy what he's thinking, he might be able to articulate what he's feeling. It comes out of that.
3: How about the silent partner?
4: Yeah, it's, we, that's kind of what we alluded to a little bit earlier, The the fact that Um, Men are looking at one thing at a time, and sometimes when a woman is asking uh, what he thinks about something, or especially if they're in conflict, she's approaching it from all these different perspectives because her brain is connected. And he is trying to figure out, okay, so where do I go with this? What do I say? And a lot of times, men need a little bit of time to process. And sometimes it's when they're watching sports that a woman will come up and say something, and he just can't hear her, he just grunts. And now she's offended because he's so silent. He won't talk to her. And why is that stupid game more important than her? But really what's happening is he, his brain is focused on that one thing. He's in the middle of something that is just really enjoyable for him. And he doesn't care about his wife any less. But at this point, to make that transition, it's, it, it would have to take him away from one thing to move completely to the other. And so a good way to approach uh, a guy on that is to be able to say, hey, when, when you get to a, a commercial, uh, could you just come in for a minute? I just, I've got a couple of things I want to talk to you about. And that's that makes it safe. It's, it's recognizing his ability to stay focused on something important, but also that she's important, too. She is important, um, but it's hard for him to do both at once.
3: Author Mike Bechtel is with us from uh, Southern California. We're talking about his new book, I Wish He Had Come With Instructions conflict without combat. You do a whole section on that one, Mike.
4: Well, that's kind of a big one, because everybody has conflict. And what happens is a lot of times people put conflict between them, and conflict puts pressure on us. So if we put the conflict, the issue between us, it's pushing us apart. And a healthy relationship, people will push themselves together and put the conflict on the outside, so it actually forces them to deal with it together. And there was some really interesting research. I put together a little grid because most men are driven by one of two things. They lean towards responding with anger or they lean towards responding with fear. If they respond with anger, they push into conflict. If they respond with fear, they tend to withdraw. And then you mix that with you have introverts and extroverts that extroverts tend to think by talking. They will say immediately what's coming through their mind and they don't, they're not necessarily filtering it. And they may not even believe it yet. They're just forming their thoughts out loud. Introverts, they're not, we don't mean shy, but introverts tend to process information internally, which means they need to hear it and then they process it and then decide what they think they really don't know yet. And so with that, you can uh, just understand the differences of how they work. So when you've got one person who tends to be more extroverted and one who tends to be introverted, the introvert always feels like they lose because they can't come up with a quick answer. They think of the perfect response about 10 minutes after they're done and say, oh, I should have said this, I should have said that. Whereas a great way to respond um, to, for an introvert is to say, you know what, I, I, I need to think about this. Give, give me some time. I need to process I'm gonna come back and I'll tell you what I'm thinking. I don't know what I'm thinking yet, but let me let me play with it a little bit. It's just honest communication. And in conflict, that's the kind of thing that can be respectful, it can be really helpful.
3: What's the lone ranger in relationships mean? It
4: means that for most guys they have a drive to to accomplish. They want to do things without help. And it's why guys won't ask for for directions because it's like, I don't, it it puts me in a different position. Women tend to relate to each other horizontally. Men tend to relate to each other vertically. And in some strange way, we're kind of seeing where we position with someone else. I don't want to be at the mercy of someone else. A good friend of mine lives about half a mile from me, and he's a woodworker, and he has every tool imaginable. And he told me once, he said, you know what, if you ever need to use a certain tool. Don't go out and buy it. Just borrow mine. I've got all of them, and I appreciated that. And he's a good friend. And my wife, um, a few times I've been doing something and I need a tool, and she says, "Well, go talk to Al." He said you could borrow his, but everything inside of me says I don't want to borrow it from Al because mm. if I borrow it from him, I won't have the tool for later, and so I'll go out and and buy it myself. Plus, that means I'd have to go to him every time, so I don't want to be dependent. It's a weird guy thing, but. So we tend to to be not loners, but we want that independence, probably much more than women would be going after.
3: What's turning two into a team all
4: about? It's recognizing that it's not two individuals that are different, and we have to to work it out and decide who's going to win and whose opinion is right, whose opinion is wrong, and we're constantly going back and forth jockeying for position. It means that In a relationship to become one and that we function as a team which means that i have my opinion and my wife will have her opinion but we're not trying to go back and forth and say okay how do i pressure her so i can get my way and how do i win but to be able to recognize that you know we both bring things to the table and those differences if we can work together on these things we can come up with a lot stronger solutions and it draws us together. And so that's why you get couples, a healthy relationship where they've been married for years and years and years. Um, A lot of times they do think differently and you can see it. It's almost more visible, but they've learned how to work as a team, knowing that the strength comes in that uh, partnership.
3: Tell me about relationship red flags.
4: The the relationship red flags is, are those little things that um, when any kind of relationship has them. It's things that are, are little signs that there's trouble. It's like when I see frass, which is termite dust, and I found some right outside my porch a while back. I'm a guy, and I see termite dust. I know what it is. It's called frass. And my solution is to sweep it away because if I can sweep it away, there's no more frass. There's no more problem. But finally, I recognize, okay, my house may fall down if I don't deal with this. And so it's those little red flags, the frass, those little things, things to look for in a relationship that shows there may be something deeper going on here. We may even need some help. Things like when a a man manipulates and says, you know, if you really cared about me, you would stay home and not go here. Or he uses absolutes all the time. Or he uses humor to deflect conflict. Or when things get uncomfortable, he always changes the subject where he minimizes a woman's concerns and says, oh, you're just being unreasonable. Let it go. Or if he never has an opinion, he always gives in just to keep the peace. None of those say that there's a desperate problem. But if there's patterns and they go on for a while, it's probably uh, those are the red flags that say, let's let's stop and look at this and maybe even talk to someone about it.
3: Mike, you close with strategies for happy endings. What are they? Just some simple things
4: that make a relationship work to be able to look and I'll aim these mostly for women, but to be able to look at things through his eyes, just to see how does he see things, especially with what we've talked about up to here, to waste time together. Um, It's not wasting time. Just going places and doing things is is really strong for a man. Making laughter and humor a priority in the relationship, Um, finding little ways show respect, clarifying expectations, uh, taking care of yourself for for him, uh, and being intentional. I think the biggest thing is to remember there's always hope in a relationship, but there's never guarantees. But if we approach it in that kind of a way, there's real potential for things to look a whole lot different in our relationships.
3: Mike, give me 30 seconds in closing about what you want us to take from our chat.
4: I think the biggest thing that I would leave with is just to recognize the reality of the differences. Um, when women look at men and see those differences, the tendency a lot of times is to say, I don't understand this. So in fact, this is what I saw in a lot of the books. We either cope with them or we try and fix them. And neither one of those are healthy because it implies that those differences demand needs to be healed from them. The better way, is to to uh, enable or celebrate those differences.
3: Mike Bechtel has been our guest, <clears throat> author of I Wish He Had Come With Instructions. <clears throat> we've got more after this, folks, on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Stay with us. We've got more.
2: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
6: Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24 7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Have you ever heard God's Whisper? Sometimes it's easier to see where God whispered to us when we look back in time, but more difficult in the moment. This may be one of those times. If you or someone you know is pregnant, adoption is a positive alternative and a truly brave decision you don't need to make alone. Life for Kids is a private, nonprofit, Christian, and licensed adoption agency serving women who are pregnant, their unborn babies, and the adoptive families who are praying you will choose life life for kids offers compassionate counseling adoption planning information and support have you considered adopting life for kids serves christian couples called by god to adopt and they've placed children into loving christian homes for over 20 years is this the whisper you've been waiting for Adoption is a positive choice. Life for Kids will walk with you on your adoption journey. Visit LifeForKids.com. That's LifeForKids.com.
2: Many of us know some of the details surrounding the death of Christ.
1: But did you also know that there were a number of significant events that occurred the moment of his death, which had a significant impact on history? What were they? Well, to find out, tune in this week to Through the Bible Radio as we conclude Dr. J. Vernon McGee's study in the Gospel of Matthew and move on to
2: the book of Exodus. Weekdays at 2.30 and 9.30 p.m. on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
3: Uh, Mike Bechtel, our guest in the first half hour, uh, talking about his new book, I Wish He Had Come With Instructions. Um, Chuck Tate joins us from the Peoria, Illinois area. He's the founder and the lead pastor of Rock Church in the Peoria area. Uh, His new book is out, 41 Will Come, Holding On When Life Gets Tough and Standing Strong Until a New Day Dawns. Uh, Great to talk to you, Chuck. Thanks for joining me.
7: Thank you so much, Pat. I am absolutely honored to be with you today.
3: You're going to have to explain that title for us. All right. Well, listen, 41
7: Will Come is the biblical significance of that, that number. For example... Um, Oftentimes throughout Scripture, the number 40 represents a season of waiting, a season of trial, a season of of perseverance, and then we find in the 41st day or 41st year that the breakthrough comes. So let me give you a handful of examples. Um, In Genesis, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. 41 came, and the rain stopped. Mm -hmm. Moses committed murder and then hit on the backside of a desert 40 years. But then he received a second chance and was commissioned by God to be the rescuer of Israel. Then the children of Israel, after being rescued from Egypt and going through the Red Sea on dry ground, ended up in a wilderness period for 40 years. But 41 came, and a new generation entered the Promised Land. Goliath challenged Israel 40 days, begging somebody to fight him. And on day 41, David killed Goliath. A couple more examples. Jonah went to Nineveh to deliver a message of doom and gloom for, for 40 days, that God was going to wipe out their city of more than 120,000 people because of its wickedness. But 41 came, and the king of the people responded with repentance. And one translation literally says that God changed his mind. In other words, instead of extending judgment, he extended grace and mercy. And then we have Jesus, who fasted and prayed in the wilderness for 40 days, his preparation for his ministry The devil tried to tempt him and take him out before he even began, but 41 came. Jesus spoke the word. The devil fled. Angels showed up, and then Jesus launched his epic ministry. And then one last example, we have Jesus, after going to the cross, and being resurrected from the grave. he, He showed up and appeared to his disciples for 40 days, commissioning them to advance the kingdom. Wait for the Holy Spirit. 41 came. The Holy Spirit showed up. The disciples were empowered. Peter got up and preached the first message. 3,000 people got saved, and that's how the church was birthed. And here we are, Pat, more than 2,000 years later talking about the church. So, so 40 is that season of being in a wilderness, in a downpour, being um, facing a giant that stands between us and our, our dreams. So the message of 41 will come is don't quit no matter what season of setback or suffering you're in, because 41 will come.
3: You have a great story, Chuck, about an incident which occurred when you served as chaplain for a pro arena football team in your area. Can you tell us about that one?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I had the the opportunity to be a a chaplain for for seven seasons on this indoor football league. And during our inaugural season, we made it to the playoffs, had had a great run, made it to the semifinals. And in this game, I decided to share this message, 41 will come. And back then, it wasn't a book idea. It was kind of a life a life message that I preached, and I just happened to pull it out for, for that 15-minute pregame chapel talk. And I shared with them what I just shared with you, the biblical significance of the number 41. And one of the things that I, I said to them is, obviously, I was talking a lot more about life than football, but um, we did relate it to the game as well and said, "Hey guys, no matter what happens in this game, we get stuck on forty. Don't quit. Forty-one will come." There are about nine thousand people upstairs in the arena. They know what they went up and played the game, and not only did they win, Pat, but the final score was forty-one to forty. <laughs> <laughs> And that is something you can't can't make up. And I'm not saying my little chapel message was the reason that we won the game, but God used it to feel the faith of those guys, to feel my own faith. And it was on the way home from that game that that idea to put that into book form was birthed in my heart.
3: There are 12 interesting chapters, Chuck, in your book. The first one is called PATs and Postponed Dreams. Uh, how do you open the book? What's what's that mean?
7: Okay, um, the the DATs is is an extra point in football. It's called a pat, and it's almost automatic. Whether it's the NFL, whether it's the arena football, college football, I mean, almost all the time that extra point is is automatic. So we opened the book, sharing the story that I just shared with you. The mm-hmm. you know the, the football game, the final score, forty-one to forty. And really use that story as a launch pad to say um, you know what God God used that story he wants to use our own story um, just and and we go right into you know from that story into the children of Israel wandering this this wilderness for, for 40 years the season of being told about something better something on the horizon something ahead and if we don't quit then we can see we we will have the opportunity to step into what God has for us into that promised land. So the message right off the bat is: What's your dream? Don't quit; it will come.
3: And then Chuck, you followed that up with "Fee Fi Fofum."
7: Fee Fi In that chapter, we we focus on on giants, and really a lot of of the book is um, navigating on on how to knock down the giant that stands between us and our dream that giant that stands between us and our vision our victory our miracle we all face giants sometimes they come up unexpectedly sometimes um, we um, stumble into them because of choices we make and um, one of the things that we do is give seven seven keys to help people slay the giant that is in in their lives so fee fo Fum is just a recognizing, uh, knowing who our enemy is. One of my favorite stories in Scripture is the epic showdown between David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, so we unpack that throughout the whole book.
3: Mm. Now we talk about tougher than hell. All
7: right. Um, Tougher than hell is based upon the Scripture in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, where Jesus told Peter, upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail over it one of the things that separated David from the rest of the army of Israel is he was the only one that responded to the taunt of the enemy with faith. I mean, an entire army listened to Goliath for 40 consecutive days, morning and night, defying the God that they served, and they were so afraid of this giant that they responded with silence. David, on the other hand, responded in faith. He was the only one willing to step onto the battlefield to fight the giant. And I re, I really believe the reason that he was able to do that was because he knew how big his God, was, God is. And we're not just as tough as the enemy. We're tougher than the enemy. The reality is as followers of, of Christ, the enemy is afraid of us. The Scripture says, greater is he who's in us than he that's in the world. So we're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors, Romans chapter 8 tells us so we're not just as tough as hell we're tougher than hell
3: and now here comes a question chuck can you hear me now
7: can you you hear me now and you know um pat i'm someone who who's hard of hearing <laughs> i wear hearing aids mm. and um and i'm also used to uh, as a pastor i do a lot of this of the speaking so i struggle with listening can you hear me now You know, really focuses on the question: Are do we do we hear the enemy? You know, David. There's a scripture in First Samuel 17, verse 23. It says, "David heard him. David heard Goliath." And what's interesting is the army of Israel heard him too. But David's response, like I just shared moments ago, was different. Israel responded with silence. David heard the enemy and responded with faith. In fact, Pat. David allowed the words of the enemy to motivate him to take action. So when the enemy is in our ear, we can tuck tail and we can run away, or we can allow those words to motivate us to step onto the battlefield and slay our giant.
3: And Chuck, here's another question that you ask. 10-4, good buddy. I guess that's an exclamation point. Ten four, good buddy. Uh, what does that mean?
7: All right. Well, well, 10-4 is CB code for those that can remember what a CB is. I mean, we all live in a, in a generation where we have our smart our smartphones to, to do everything for us. But before we all had a phone, CB was a big part of communication for anyone that was on the road. And, and CB code 10-4 literally means message received. So in the chapter 10-4, good buddy, we talk about Receiving the message that God has for us and being willing to embrace it, no no matter how big and scary it is, the, the, you know the word of God doesn't say that David was not afraid. But we know, we know courage is not an absence of fear, but it's willing to step onto a battlefield even when our knees are knocking together. David heard the message from God loud and clear to take out that giant, and because he was willing to embrace it and obey it, it benefited not only him, Pat, but it benefited benefited an entire nations. So 10 ten four good buddy is a, a chapter that communicates to us how important it is for us when God is asking us to do something to respond with ten four, I'm in. God message received, I'm I'm gonna do it. When God spoke to, to Moses in the end, he said, ten four, I will be the rescuer of Israel. When God spoke to Noah, build an ark. His response was, 10 for God, I'm going to do it. Our response needs to be the same. Whatever it is that God wants to do, 10 for God, I'm in.
3: Mm. I like it. How about smash mouth, Chuck? What's that about?
7: Smash mouth is, is about smashing fear in the mouth. It's about overcoming fear. As soon as we purpose in our heart that we want to do something great for God, the enemy will try to paralyze us with fear. And this is exactly... What happened in 1 Samuel 17 with the army of Israel? They were so afraid because they were looking at this giant in the natural. And again, David was willing to overcome any fear that he had. He smashed fear in the mouth. He stepped onto a battlefield when in the natural, Goliath was much bigger and stronger and equipped. In fact, his own brothers told him to go at home. King Saul said, don't be ridiculous. There's no way that you can fight this giant. But David did it anyway. He smashed fear in the mouth. And what I have found is so many fears in our life really are, are irrational. We get so afraid of things, but then after we push through and do them, we're so glad that we did. So we walk through some steps in, in Smash Mouth to equip the reader to overcome their fears.
3: And then you tell us uh, in Chapter 7, shake it off. <laughs>
7: Shake It Off is, I think this this is um, one of the uh, the most important chapters in, in the book, Pat, because once we conquer our fear, once we smash fear in the mouth, the next thing that we're going to have to be ready to overcome is, is, is negativity. Um, self-doubt, um, doubt from those around us, like I shared moments ago. As soon as David said, hey, I'm going to fight this giant. Nobody else is. I'll do it. As soon as he said that, his own brothers, his own family didn't believe in him. They told him, his brothers told him to go home. His own king. You would think that King Saul would be ecstatic that finally, after 40 days, somebody's going to fight this giant. But he wasn't. And he told he told David, don't be ridiculous. You can't win. You can't beat this guy. In that moment, David had to shake off doubt. He had to shake off any doubt that was within. He had to shake out, shake off the doubt from all the, you know, just all the Debbie Downers that were surrounding him. And we need to do the same. I can't tell you how many times I've been excited to do something big for God. I just share it with the wrong person or sometimes the right person. And sometimes you can share your dream and your vision with the right person. And the response is, that's a dumb idea. Why do you want to do that? I don't think you're good enough. I don't think you're this. I don't think you're that we have to remember, if God is calling us to do it, then we have to obey him. And that means we're going to have to, to shake it off. Haters going to hate, we've got to shake it off.
3: My guest is Chuck Tate. Chuck has planted a big church. Well, it was a small church. It's now a big church in uh, central Illinois in the Peoria area. And he has authored a terrific new book. It's called 41 Will Come, and that's what we're talking about. Uh, We do have another segment with Chuck, so stay with us, folks. Uh, This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Every weekend, we get to chat with some of the most interesting people in the country, really, and uh, today is no exception. Uh, This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. We've got more after this.
2: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950. WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney, Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
1: Hi, Bill Files here, GM of Salem Media Group Orlando. You've heard me talk about half-price tuition, a great new program we have where folks just like you could purchase tuition to the finest Christian schools in Central Florida at half price. No catch, no kidding. I want to share with you some comments from a listener who recently purchased tuition for her daughter. This listener called me, and once she found out that the program was for real, she and her husband decided to buy it. She said, before we hang up, I wanted to thank you and to share with you that my husband and I have been praying for a way to send our girl to Christian school. Your half-price tuition program has made that possible. Thank you. This is what it's all about. If you or someone you know could benefit from our half-price tuition program, I hope you'll give me a call, 407-618-1760, or visit our website, AmazingRadioDeals.com. Half-price tuition, another positive idea from Salem Media Group Orlando.
0: Schools like the Geneva School and Altamont Christian School are available right now. Go online to AmazingRadioDeals.com.
7: Do you have enough drinking water at home or work?
0: For whatever life throws at you.
7: This is Florida, and you can never have enough good, wholesome drinking water on hand for meetings, family gatherings, even Mother Nature's wrath. Be prepared with Carolina Highland Mountain Spring Water, delivered directly to your home or business. Call now for their Be Prepared delivery special. Individual bottles, dispensers, and coolers. No contracts, no fees.
2: Call 407-851-7144. Online at carolinabottledwater.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
3: Chuck Tate is with us. He's the founder and lead pastor of Rock Church in Central Illinois. His new book is out. It's called 41 Will Come, holding on when life gets tough and standing strong until a new day dawns. Now I want you to talk about rock, R-A-W-K, Chuck, rock stance. My goodness, what does that mean?
7: Uh, All right, Pat. Listen, yeah, rock stance, I make reference to the movie School of Rock with with, with Jack Black when him and his crew were ready to take the stage in something called the Battle of Vans. And a a rock stance, if you've ever been to um, a rock concert, is when a a musician or guitarist stands on that stage, legs spread apart, guitar in a hand, clenched fist up in the air, and basically, what that musician is saying to the audience is, "I'm ready to rock. I have prepared. We have practiced. We have rehearsed, and now we're ready to put on a show." So, rock stance is a chapter that that helps the reader um, see the importance of practice. You know, the importance of, of preparation. David was prepared to fight Goliath because of his past battles. He had already defeated a lion. He had already defeated a bear. So he was ready. When he stepped onto that battlefield, he was confident that he could take out that giant. He was confident in who God was. He was prepared. He was ready. And in this chapter, Rock Stance, we talk about how vital it is for us to prepare ourselves. When we're dreaming big and we are pursuing what God has and what God has placed in our heart, we have to do our part. God will always do His part. Proverbs 16, 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. So we know that when we make our plans, God's plans, His plans don't fail, but we have to be willing to hustle. We have to be willing to work hard. We have to roll up our sleeves and get after it if we're going to accomplish it.
3: Chuck, talk about Boom Goes the Dynamite. All
7: right. Boom Goes the Dynamite is um, a, a chapter that that uh, talks about how important it is for us to to know the Word of God to have the word of God on the inside of us especially when we don't need it so it'll be there when we we do need it. And the reality is we always we always need it. so we need to have the word of God inside of us. One of my favorite things in first Samuel chapter 17 is when David not only did he step onto the battlefield but he told Goliath he actually decreed it he declared it he told Goliath, what he was gonna to do to him. And I believe it's so important for us to fill ourselves with the word of God. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it means continually hearing. So if we're putting the word of God on the inside of us, it's gonna it's gonna come out of us. So when we're facing a giant, when we're facing opposition, when we're going through seasons of of setback, suffering and unforeseen circumstance, It is so important for us to speak the Word of God, and that's what Jesus did when he was tempted of the devil. So when we speak the Word, boom, goes the dynamite.
3: What does reckless charge mean?
7: Reckless charge is is really stepping onto a battlefield and going on the offensive. You know, for 40 days, the children of Israel, the army of Israel, they were playing defense, and while it does take defense to win championships, as you know, Pat, um, you can't win if you don't score. And David, he had to actually step onto the battlefield, and the scripture says in First Samuel 17 that David ran at Goliath. He wasn't running backwards and, and flinging his slingshot. He attacked. It was a, it was a reckless charge, if you will. There was no turning back. When he stepped onto that battlefield and he began to pursue the giant, he couldn't go backwards. It was only, only forwards. So this is a chapter that um, equips us on how to do that. How do we charge our giant and run after him? We have got to go into attack mode, got to go on the offensive.
3: Now I want you to talk about this uh, fascinating title, we win! Exclamation point.
7: <laughs> well, in First Samuel chapter 17, uh, not only did, did David fight Goliath, but he won. He killed Goliath. And we got to believe—I mean, if I've read the back of the Bible, I know that that we win. And we have to believe that whatever God is asking us to do, that he will equip us, he will empower us, and if we will trust him, we will win. The Word of God is filled with examples of how God used ordinary people to win extraordinary battles, to accomplish extraordinary things. Daniel 11.32 says the people who know their God, not just know about Him, but know Him will be strong and will accomplish great exploits. We win.
3: And this may be the most important question of all. It's about when... uh... Forty-one doesn't come, and the crisis or difficult situation really might become chronic. Chuck, you've got to uh, tell us about this.
7: Sure. Well when, when forty-one, you know, you know, Pat. Sometimes we don't get the answer we want, or it doesn't happen in our, our timeline. And in those moments, it's really easy to quit when we get knocked down, and we have the enemy standing over us and gloating over us. We have an opportunity. We can stay down or we can get up. And one of my favorite scriptures is found in the book of Micah chapter 7, where it says, Don't gloat over me, over my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will get up. I will rise up. So when 41 doesn't come, when our answer doesn't come the way we want it to, and we find ourselves in a season of, 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 of grief and overwhelming loss, and we can't cry anymore, this chapter helps us get through that season. What, what do we do in those moments? And there are really two answers. Number one, or two options, I should say. Number one, we can, we can stay down. We can be angry at God. Or number two, we can get up and we can run to God. When we run to God, we're running to the rescuer. So when we run to the rescuer, we're running to hope. And he is really the only one who's going to see us through those hard times. Being angry at God and staying angry at God isn't going to help us get better, but running to Him will. He's the only one that can see us through those seasons of step back. and then if we're willing to use our pain as a platform or as a microphone, then God can use that to bring good, and that most of the time reveals a new 41.
3: What do you want people to take from our chat, Chuck?
7: Um, I hope that people listening today, Pat, just um, get in, get encouraged to know that no matter what season they're in, whether whether they're in a storm, facing a giant, perhaps wandering in a desert period or, or a wilderness, whether it's 40 days or, or 40 years or somewhere in between, that they will have their faith fueled enough to say, you know what, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to dream again. I'm going to commit myself to god commit my plans to him psalms 37 4 says that we delight ourselves in him he'll give us the desires of our heart i believe god wants us to dream so big that the only way that we could ever pull it off is if he steps in so let's dream and let's dream again
3: chuck aren't you glad that uh, we serve a god of the second chance and the third chance and the fifth chance and the seventh chance Uh, that's good news.
7: absolutely i i in fact Planning a church 18 years ago, I joke with people that we've learned how not to plant a church. We've learned from our mistakes with so many things that if we could do it again, that we would do it differently. But that just goes to to show you how good our God is. Yeah, Moses committed murder, messed up. You know, Gideon felt weak. David committed adultery and murder. God, time and time again, uses people throughout the Word of God, and not just in the Word of God, but in in real life. So yes, I am absolutely so glad that we serve a God who does not consult with our past when determining our future. He's got good plans for us, filled with future and hope, if we will trust him.
3: Chuck, do you have another book in your pipeline?
7: I, <laughs> I do. Um, I, I have a handful of ideas that I'm praying about right now.
3: Chuck, great to talk to you. I'm so glad we could visit, and congrats on your
7: book. Hey, thank you so much, Pat. I was honored to be with you today. Chuck Tate,
3: founder and lead pastor of Rock Church in Illinois, author of 41 Will Come, he has been our guest. We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new 94.9 FM an AM 950 WTLN right here in Orlando, Florida. Stay with us. We'll wrap things up in just a minute.
2: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
4: Hello, I'm Pastor Glenn Riggs,
7: inviting you to be our guest and celebrating all that the Lord has done and experience our pioneer spirit. We're excited to share Starlight Baptist new building with you. It's been several years in the making. We now can share God's Word with so many more souls in Central Florida through our many ministries here at Starlight. Please visit us at StarlightBaptist.com.
0: And don't miss the broadcast ministry of Starlight Baptist. What does the Bible say? Every weekday afternoon at 4 with Pastor Riggs. Right here at the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
2: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
3: Thanks for joining us, folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Mike Bechtel was our first guest from uh, Southern California uh, talking about, I wish he had come with instructions. And then Chuck Tate was with us from Central Illinois Uh, We talked about his new book, 41 Will Come. Uh, Please visit my website. It's uh, patwilliams.com. The Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And I've got a book out uh, that I know you'll enjoy. It's called Leadership Excellence, The Seven Sides of Leadership for the 21st Century. It's uh, in bookstores now, really nicely bound. Uh, I think you'll be pleased with it. And Amazon.com, of course, always a wonderful way uh, to order books. Uh, Have a great day tomorrow in church with your family and uh, a terrific week ahead. And we'll be back with you next weekend on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Thank you
2: for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950, WTLN